Hey everyone, welcome back to the Missio podcast. We are continuing our series, Seeking God's Kingdom First, and I want to talk about this idea of kingdom wisdom. And I want to define wisdom for us, and then we're going to look at just a couple of different passages for a few minutes, um, just to kind of understand what it means to be a part of this idea of kingdom wisdom. And so to me, kingdom wisdom is knowing, understanding, and living the way of Jesus. And maybe that sounds a little bit too simplistic, but wisdom, it's different from just straight like knowing information, right? It it starts with knowing things for sure, but then it seeks to understand those things that we know and then the implications for it on your life. And then it seeks to find ways to actually live that information out more fully in every aspect of your life. And so knowing, understanding, and living. That to me is what just wisdom in general is, right? And so kingdom wisdom then is knowing and understanding and living the way of Jesus. And so James chapter 3 is one of my favorite passages to look at regarding wisdom. And the first section of James 3 is all about the power of speech. And then the second section shows how James truly defines a truly wise person. But the main gist of this first section of James chapter 3 is to tell people that your words matter. Surprise, right? We've talked a lot about this at Missio, that there is a false assumption, I think, that what we say should just not have any effect on the people around us, right? If, If that if my words actually hurt people, then that's basically their problem. They just need thicker skin. I feel like this is what people think of a lot in this world. But the reality is that the power of our words rests in exactly that, that they do have the capacity to shape the world and therefore also have the power to shape how people see themselves. I think Mother Mother Teresa said it very well when she says, kind words can be short and easy to speak but their echoes are truly endless. And I think it's the same of the way that we ridicule or abuse people with our words, right? Our words can shape the way that people see and understand themselves. That, uh, you know, how we they're cared for, if they're loved, if they're valued, our words are going to testify to the truth of whether or not those things ring true for people, Right? But all too often, the aggressiveness and combativeness of our words impacts deeper than we are willing to kind of acknowledge and admit. And I love this because the writer of James chapter 3 says, starting in verse 9, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Now, we've talked a long time ago, or not too long ago, I guess, about this idea of the non-combative kingdom. And in that kingdom, we taught that part of our calling is to see the imago Dei in people. And I think this passage further affirms that calling, that the path to truly living into the wisdom of God first sees the people around you as containing the image of God. And then speaks to them as someone who is deserving of dignity and kindness and care. It would probably take you just like a matter of seconds to think of like a specific time or a person that embodied or embodies still 
what James is rebuking in this moment, where he says that you can't simultaneously praise God and curse other people. Those two things are mutually exclusive, right? Jesus himself says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, meaning what you say is what is within you, right? And the real wisdom requires our hearts to be changed by Jesus' heart so that then our speech will match the heart. And so then he begins the more direct conversation about wisdom itself. And so he says, starting in verse 13, who is wise and knowledgeable among you? Show by your good life that your works are done and gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be arrogant and lie about the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. All right, so guys, do you remember David Letterman? (laughs) Some of you may not know who he was, but he was the host of The Late Show on CBS for like 20-something years. And most nights, not all of them, but I think a lot of them, he would have on his show the top 10 list. And these were always like fantastic and hilarious top 10 lists about, I don't know, a whole bunch of different things and they were read kind of comedically. But as I was thinking about this, if there was a top 10 list for passages that I would want every person who claims to be a follower of Jesus to memorize and embody, James chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 would definitely be in the top five. And so I want you to listen again to what he lists as attributes of wisdom that come from God. He says, first of all, it's pure. And so this word pure carries with it the idea that it is complete, it's whole, it's without blemish or corruption. Uh, Scott McKnight, who's a favorite author of mine, wrote the book A Church Called Tove, which we've been using uh, at Missio to inform us of our understanding of the idea of goodness. But he says that ultimately, purity is a mark of Christ and those in union with him because God and his words and promises are pure. In other words, pure and purity is a characteristic of Jesus that we are being transformed into. It has less to do with behavioral do's and don'ts and more to do with being complete in Jesus, fully trustworthy and reliant because of Jesus's embodiment of truth and toth or goodness in us, right? And so next he says that wisdom is peaceable. Uh, This is not to uh, be confused with living at peace with God by yourself, okay? So the word comes from the Hebrew word shalom. That's what peace means, right? Which describes the relationship of humans with God, with ourselves, with others, and with the rest of the world. So then the peaceable wisdom from above is not one that creates chaos or violence and contentious living, but rather it creates very much the opposite of those things. Next, he says that wisdom is gentle. So goodness, courtesy, mildness, benevolence, and generosity are all words that are associated with gentleness in the New Testament. And nearly every time this word is used in the New Testament, the ultimate goal is essentially to render judgment upon another person with equity. You know, we we honestly make judgments all the time, right? 
someone does something to us or to another person that we know, and we begin to cast judgment on them, on them, whether we realize it or not. And internally, we are often making those judgments, but oftentimes very much exter- externally, uh, we are making judgments towards those people. And judgment itself was never the problem in Scripture. It's honestly the way in which we judge that can become problematic. Judgment, real judgment, seeks to restore and create justice. But as the Spirit of God dwells within us, the fruit then of how we restore and create justice is marked by our gentleness. So wisdom is gentle. He then says wisdom is willing to yield. And I'm, I'm telling you, this one is really, really important. So other ways of translating this word are, are can be translated as like persuadable or teachable. And basically he's saying, look, real wisdom is willing to hear argumentation and change your perspective or thinking when you are proven incorrect. I mean, how often do we make decisions, right, about so many things in life? And there's just like not any amount of reasonable proof or persuasion that could convince people to change their views on things. Like, I know what I think about whatever it is, this and that, and it doesn't matter what you have to say about it. I am not going to change what I think. And I think this is what James would say is a lack of wisdom. Wisdom actually is the willingness to be persuaded. So when people are talking to you about certain things of which they feel very passionate about, wisdom says, I am willing to hear your point of view and perspective, and I am willing to actually be persuaded of that view if your your argumentation is persuadable, right? So next, wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. I tend to think that both mercy and good fruits are actually informed by Jesus's command to love your neighbor as yourself. So mercy and seeking the good of others is, it's honestly the natural byproduct of loving your neighbor as yourself. And then the final characteristic of wisdom is that it has no trace of partiality or hypocrisy. You know, the opposite of hypocrisy can be seen simply as just being sincere, right? It implies having no contradiction between teaching and practice. You've probably heard the saying, practice what you preach. None of us enjoys being told to do something by someone who sees themselves as above the laws of their own demands. And just for clarification, being bad at what we say is important or or good is not hypocrisy. You know, we talk all the time about the power of and importance of of loving, even the hardest people in the world to love, right? And if we are not great at loving, but we're still striving to be better at that, then that's not hypocrisy. It's simply an area of growth. Hypocrisy comes when we tell people the importance and power of something while having then no intention of ever making it a part of who we are ourselves. But the part that I really want us to look at is this idea of partiality. So showing partiality means prioritizing certain people or groups of people over others. And when this happens, it fundamentally extinguishes the spark of God's image in those people. And I think we do this all the time. Wealthy people are more important than impoverished people. One demographic of race are more important than other people. Men are more important than women. Whatever it is. I'm sure you've heard this idea. You cannot be a fill-in-the-blank and be a Christian, right? 
almost always whenever people fill in that blank of whatever it is that they're saying you can't be this and be a Christian, it tends to have nothing to do with the way of Jesus and instead has some kind of posture towards politics or theology. And James is saying, as soon as we start showing partiality to certain people over others, then we have left the wisdom of God. In fact, I would say it's fair to acknowledge that in churches, the partiality of the leaders creates an environment in which the community becomes characterized and known by the vices of those leaders rather than the virtues of Jesus. And James says, wisdom from above has no trace of partiality. So kingdom wisdom, it's knowing, understanding, and living the way of Jesus. And the more we are striving to live in the way of kingdom wisdom, the more we will be producing the attributes of kingdom wisdom in our lives. So pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, and without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. That is what is going to be improving and increasing in our lives. So this is Kingdom Wisdom, everybody. Thank you for listening and hope you have a wonderful week. Bye now. Thank you.